Hello and welcome back to the podcast for the Wichita County Office for Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. I am Katrina Mitchell. I am the 4-H agent here and today we are joined or I'm joined by David Graff, our Ag and Natural Resource Agent and Melba Flynn, our office manager. So I'm going to hand it over to David. He's going to talk to us about what he is doing over on our Ag and Natural Resource side. You bet. Uh, first thing that I want to talk about just a little bit is what we've been doing with 4-H uh, from my side of it. I work uh, <clears throat> with 4-H uh, families and kids uh, more connected with agriculture. And so uh, we've been working with some kids on livestock judging uh, practice. And uh, what, what we've been doing with those kids is we get a, a four animals together and then we ask those kids to try and uh, trying to evaluate the differences between uh, depending on what what species about whether it's for meat production for uh, reproduction for grow, uh, raising more animals than that and so we had those kids learn about the skeletal structure uh, structural skeleton uh, correctness uh, talk about growth pattern we talk about muscle uh, and fat uh, so uh, really a, a lot of stuff for them to try and uh, to try and figure out. Uh, we give them two minutes to evaluate a class of four animals and give us what, and ask them to do what we call a preliminary uh, placement because typically their first impression is the closest to, uh, to what could be the one, even if you don't know anything about livestock. Uh, we all are, are pretty good at saying this animal is better than that animal. So. Uh, Really a lot of fun working with the kids. Uh, we give them a hard time because it's really tough to do that. It's sometimes you're not very confident, confident in what you're doing. So it's uh, trying to help these kids to learn to make decisions. That's the most important factor. And then they support those decisions. When they place that class of livestock, then they have to give reasons on why they have to, why they chose animal three over animal two. Um, so they have to understand all that lingo and the language and to make sure that they can support the, re the why they put those animals in that, that Did, did you do that when you were uh, in 4-H? I did horse judging. <clears throat> yeah. So um, I got really lucky my, my first year to horse judge. I placed in the top three at district. So that wow. was very exciting. Yeah. Um, so. Great. But, you know, given the reasons is also very good to help improve their public speaking skills. Yeah. That's one of the things that we really push here in 4-H is we want our kids to be comfortable speaking in front of one person or a group of people. Yeah. So. And it helps you to organize their thoughts. That's the that's mm -hmm. the thing that's, uh, and we all, I think we all deal with that. It's just a matter of uh, trying to put the, put the thoughts together in an orderly fashion. Uh, one of the things that they struggle with is what's putting the most important first. Yes. Because when you're trying to look at an animal <clears throat> that's going to be raised for meat production, you want the ones that have the most muscle. So you should be placing it first for that reason. It's not because uh, because it had uh, be, uh, skinnier uh, skinnier bone or less bone. You want to talk about the big things. So organizing your thoughts is what is what that is. So anyway. Have a, we're enjoying that. Uh, got some really good volunteers <clears throat> working with that. Mike and Amy Fisher are doing that. Miles Davovich is, is helping with that. So, 
All right, and those are both great families. You know, Miles was a, an extension county extension agent for a long time, and uh, he was here for a while as well as, as an agent. And then he was our district administrator for a few years until yeah. he retired. So, yeah. and now his kids are in 4-H and FFA. <clears throat> so, continuing the the family uh, legacy. Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. So, you know, another thing that we just did, I was able to to help kids uh, last week with kids do one day 4-H as a cleanup at the Mounted Patrol Arena. And uh, how many, I can't remember, Katrina, how many did we have? We had um, families and all, parents and volunteers, about 22, 23. Okay, yeah. So a pretty yeah. good group. A good group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we gathered up trash bags and, and uh, I don't know, probably what, 10, 12 trash bags, I guess, for of what we, yeah. of what quite we, a few. Yeah. I know the pictures I got, um, <clears throat> They'd already thrown some of the trash bags in the dumpster, yeah, so we didn't true. get the full the full picture. That's right. Yeah, I yeah. do appreciate you covering me for that because I had to go help my dad do something in Dallas. Sure. So yeah. I got it all arranged and then let you do That's all the right. dirty work. The actually, dirty work. that was so, fine. Yeah. What a great yeah. partnership That's we have! Right. Yeah. And you'll you'll get paid back for that. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure I will. Yeah. I think yeah. it's great that even in this time of the pandemic and so many restrictions and everything, that the kids can still be involved in projects. Yeah. and still continue with community service and do everything in a um, sensitive way to the, you know, to the situation we're in right now. Yeah. They can still be involved in service. I think that's sure. wonderful. Yeah. One of the other things too, uh, that people may not be aware of is 4-H. Uh, it is very uh, parent driven, a family mm -hmm. project. And so uh, the day that we did that, we had, uh, had a lot number of parents in that there. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of things is, uh, it just helps those, that uh, child to know our parents supports this. Right. And, uh, and so we think that building families is an important part mm -hmm. of AgriLife and Extension and 4-H. And, and our parents do a great job of, of doing that. Yeah, most definitely. You know, um, we're, you know, each just a person and we can't be everywhere and do everything. So we rely heavily on our parents in our volunteers because we do have a lot of adult volunteers whose <clears throat> kids are grown and not in 4-H anymore, but they're still sticking around and helping us out. Um, so, you know, our program couldn't be successful without them. So, yeah, yeah. Had a, had a grandmother or two there uh -huh. with grandkids and that's a great, uh, I mean, that's a great part of this. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've, I've had, uh, we've, we've got some uh, volunteers that are just a, a friend of a friend's of kids or something, mm -hmm. you know, it's, and it, it's good for those uh, kids to have somebody other than their parent working with them as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. And a funny story about that grandmother who's bringing her grandkids who are brand new to 4-H this year. Um, Caleb is going to be in our food show and his recipe is the recipe, the very first recipe that his grandmother and his uncle entered into our county food mm -hmm. show really? or into the food show when they were in 4-H years uh -huh. and years back. And so, and they actually got that recipe out of an old 4-H uh, cookbook. Awesome. Wow. So that's just how, you know, 4-H is just generational. <laughs> yeah. And so it's really cool to see that continue with, with um, Caleb and Colin, our mm -hmm. little ones so yeah. coming up. So. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting now because they're, I say not recently, but in the last few years, you know, growing your own food you know has really become a big deal and, and how to do that and when you look back uh with my grandparents uh which was a long time ago 
the things that they were doing then is what people are trying to get back to. Yeah. Get back to now things that, that they did in the thirties and forties, you know, yes. is what people are trying to, trying to relearn how to, how to do that. Um, through the, the pandemic and when we were all shut down, a lot of people got backyard chickens. We had a, you know, a lot of people who called and asked questions about canning. There's all sorts, you know, people um, put in gardens and uh, flowers and, you know, looking to kind of go back to the old homesteading days. Yep. You know, there's been a recent um, Facebook post that I've seen in several places now about um, <clears throat> canning eggs. If you have an abundance of eggs from your chickens, then you can can those eggs and they're good for uh, up, a, up to a year or so. Yeah. So that's a very interesting fact to me because I didn't know you could can eggs. Yeah. <laughs> so right. I think it's great that all of these skills that, um, you know, our pioneering uh, families had, that there's a resurgence. I think it's good that we don't lose the ability yeah. uh, to be self-sufficient, to have a garden, to, uh, to preserve our food and things. So I'm yeah. glad that that is making a comeback. Yeah. Well, that kind of uh, leads us into something that, and uh, we worked on it last year and then COVID prevented it, but we're, uh, we're intending to do what's called a food forum, which will be uh, something that we'll, we'll invite the public to participate in. But it's going to be uh, one of the things we're going to focus on is uh, food security. How how food is produced, uh, the safety of that versus food that's or stuff that's imported from the United States, uh, producing your own food. And so anyway, that's something that we'll be talking about later. Something to look forward to. Yeah, good. Yeah. So you know, a couple of things uh, that uh, that have come up just recently is uh, one of them is we've had a incident of a lady that brought in a kissing bug and uh, that's uh, probably about two years ago we had I don't know 18 or 19 different uh, situations where people brought brought bugs to us but uh, anyway that it carries a disease called Chagas disease uh, which can really be be an issue it's also uh, dogs are affected by it but uh, so we've got that. We'll, we've got, we'll post that on our website, picture of that. So you can see that that bug is kind of similar to a squash bug, if you're familiar with them. Uh, but one of the things that's unique to it is also called a cone nose bug. And so the actual, the nose part of that is really long and slender. And that's one of the things that helps separate it. There are some other bugs that are similar to that, but... Uh, you know, and you really need to have a, a professional make that decision on it. But it'll also have uh, small red uh, red stripes along the edge. They're the distinctive body. looking, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. So how would you describe them? Nova? Well, they're sort of flat looking, like you say, like a squash bug or a stink bug or something. Mm -hmm. uh, the ones that I have seen are black or dark colored. Mm -hmm. And I think there are some different colored ridges around them, but the ones that I've seen have the orange around mm -hmm. them. But it's good that one picture is worth a thousand words, and we'll get that picture on our website along with the description right. and also what to do if you find one. Yeah. Uh, they can be sent off, but on, they can be sent off for uh, to be checked out to see if they're carrying anything, and they can be mailed to the Department of State Health Services and then maybe on to the CDC. But they have to be involved or at least suspected of being involved uh, with a person and possibly either biting that person or, um, you know, having some sort of um, 
maybe a reaction mm -hmm. that you think may have come from one. If you find one inside your house and then you have symptoms, then you can bring that in. We have received those here in the office and we have mailed them off for people yeah. that suspect that they may have been bitten by mm -hmm. one. If, if you're concerned about it, like if you find the, or if you have something that's, uh, you get an insect bite, and uh, particularly in this, if you do see the bug, uh, you know, it's going to be hard, especially if you're a woman, not to crush this little skull. But <laughs> that would be my first yeah, that's reaction. What, yeah, that's what, yeah. Uh, so we can send great. in crushed bugs, but it's a little harder to tell. Yeah. But, but if you can uh, get like a, a paper towel, three or four layers, soak it in alcohol and then put that on top of the bug. Yeah. And that'll help. That'll kill it. But then you can collect it. And then if you'll bring it to us, well, then we can help get it sent in and that. So anyway, uh, just be sure and let us let us know. Yes. Call us here at the office. Uh, we have mailed those off before and uh, we mail them off in a, a, a box or something so that they don't get damaged on the way. Mm -hmm. But we will help you in getting us sent off if yeah. you if you have a need for that. Yeah. And once you collect it, uh, put it in a freezer. Put it in a Ziploc bag or double Ziploc, put it in the freezer, and then that'll, that'll make sure that it kills it. And then when you bring it to us or something, then we'll, we can take care of it. But yeah, just be sure and keep that in mind. So uh, one other quick thing, and then we're going to wrap it up here before too long, but I uh, had a call Melba, last week about the hemp uh, from our Wichita Falls. Uh, remind me, the fire department, I mean, the Police Actually, department. It was the police department, and it was regarding hemp licensure and mm -hmm. uh, how to find out if someone has a uh, a license for hemp. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was the original question, yeah. and we tried to track some of that information down. Yeah. And all of this is relatively new, I believe, as far as uh, databases and how to establish those and how to share them and who to share them with. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to. Uh, Get some answers on that so that we'll be able to uh, offer more assistance to right. everyone. Yeah, and I talked with the uh, county commissioner Barry Muller, and he said, of course, we need to, you know, we need to pursue that. And actually, uh, I, I talked to somebody from the sheriff's department today, and also from uh, from Texas Trooper, one of the troopers, and uh, they gave me the the contact person for them. And so we're going to be uh, working with that, working, working with together. Texas Department of Agriculture too to try and get those uh help get some some information because both of those well all our law enforcement our three law enforcement uh arms here say they all say we just we need some more information so we're going to try and work on getting that put together so a lot of interesting things going on it is yeah it is yeah so katrina anything else to wrap up with um i just want to remind everybody how to get a hold of us um the office number is 940 716-8610. Uh, we have a website. If you'll just Google Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, Wichita County or Wichita County Extension Office, you can find us. We're located in the courthouse annex on the corner of 6th and Scott Street. You enter through one door on 6th Street or on Scott Street, actually, and um, we're up on the second floor in Suite 200 in the kind of a back corner. If you follow, follow the hallway to the corner, that's where you'll find us. Um, and then follow us on our social media pages, um, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, Wichita County, Wichita County 4-H, uh, Better Livings for Texans, uh, Wichita County. I'm going to leave Heather out. She's preparing for a meeting. Um, and I guess that is probably it. 
just for today. Yeah, for today. We'll be back next week. We'll be back next week. And just a reminder that we are part of Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, and we are your Wichita County Extension office staff. So y'all have a great Friday. Thank y'all. Everybody have a good week. Thank you.